All right, good morning, everybody. So my name is Ethan, and we're going to do a devotional here this morning. It's going to be about 10 minutes, and I was given the topic, what is the sin that leads to death? And the source verse that I was given was uh, 1 John 5. We're not going to dissect all of 1 John 5, but um, 1 John is a letter, right? And in chapter 5, there is an allusion to a sin that leads to death. Now, it's important to take into account a few things when we approach this topic because when you just read those few verses alone, it can seem a little confusing. So one thing you guys have heard a million times, even from Nathan, is that you have to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. You have to to weigh all of it, right? The sum of God's Word is truth. That's not an idea that's exclusive to Scripture. The sum of anything is truth. If if, if Jacob were to say something to me, I'd use the context of who Jacob is and all the things that he said to interpret what he just told me, right? The, the sum of what Jacob says is what Jacob means. The sum of what Scripture says is what Scripture means. So it's very important that we understand the rest of the New Testament, the rest of the gospel story, and have a whole understanding of that and apply it to First John 5. But even 1 John 5 alone says things like in verse 13, um, well, actually verse 12, that he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. So what would a sin that leads to death be? Well, it would certainly have to be something where you didn't have the Son. And ultimately where where these questions lead to is um, what does it mean to be a Christian? Because people read something like that, um, the sin that leads to death, and we kind of, I don't know, we don't see the big picture, we hyper-literalize it, and we go, okay, where's the line? What's the sin or the sins that I can commit or can't commit to become a Christian or stay a Christian or be a part of the family of God? And it kind of reminds me of a conversation that I had last Friday at a campfire with some friends that were they're Christians, and one of them was, um, she brought up the topic of what we would call like bumper sticker Christianity, right? People just, you know, simply proclaiming Christ because maybe they think it's cool and not actually walking that out. And maybe that's cool in our Christian subculture because other people pushed back and said, well, I don't really think bumper Christianity is really a thing because, you know, it's not cool to be a Christian anymore in our world. And I guess that's true, but if you're in, engulfed in the Christian subculture, then it can still be cool, I guess. It all depends on who you're trying to impress, I suppose. But the point is, that conversation led to someone else going, well, where is the line? When is someone just a bumper Christian, bumper sticker Christian? When are they actually a Christian? And then this, this poses the conversation, right? And it ultimately leads to the conversation that this is all about. Well, we have to understand what does it mean to trust God? What does it mean to actually be a Christian? What does it mean to not be committing the sin that leads to death? Well, spoiler alert, the sin that leads to death is is not trusting God. Not trusting God because that's all it takes. That is all it takes to to be a Christian. But the path that that points you down is truly unique. You might have heard things like um, when sin is full grown, it leads to death, or what is the sin that grieves the Holy Spirit? And even here in First John, the sin that leads to death. All these are pointing to the same thing, which is not trusting in God. And trusting in God is a, 
it's a little different because you hear that and we're not really sure what to do with that. Okay, trusting God. What does that mean? Do I just close my eyes and clench my fists really hard and just say, I trust, I trust, I trust? Or just say, I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again over and over again? Not exactly. I mean, yes, you do that, but it's, it's something very unique, and it's a little different to everything else that we have ever in our life, anything else that has happened to us, because we're trusting God because of something that he's done. We're not trusting him to just do something, but we're trusting him because of something that he's done already, and that's very cool. It's, um, this metaphor helps me understand it. And it's basically, you know, imagine that you're in prison, or not that you're in prison, but that you're in a courtroom, and there's an indictment a mile high, and all of these charges are actually accurate. I mean, you are due the due penalty for all of those things. And the only person that actually has the authority to cast down judgment on you, and the sentence is death, by the way, says, no, I'm going to wipe that clean. And not only am I going to wipe that clean, I'm going to live your life. And every single opportunity that you took to to make a wrong turn, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to live your life, and I'm going to do it perfectly. And then I'm going to sacrifice myself and take your sentence that you should have so that you don't have to take it. That's what God has done for us. And he didn't make us earn that first. He didn't say, well, I'm going to put you on probation. And you're going to have to go out there, and if, if you're good for six months, you don't break any more laws, then I'm going to do this. No, he already did that. When you already earned death, you already earned that punishment, he said, I'm going to, to do this and give you this amazing gift with you having earned nothing. But will you trust me? Please trust me. I've done this amazing thing for you. I, I've reached out my hand. I've offered you a seat at my table. Will you trust me? And by trust me... I mean, will you walk down the path that I'm telling you to walk down because I want what's best for you? You know, God's rule book, you know, Jesus says that the law is summed up in these two things, and that is love God with, with, you know, all your heart, mind, and soul. You get the idea, and then love people. And this is the path that he asks us to walk. And the entire New Testament is just how do we apply this to different areas of our life? How do we do this in this area? How do we do this with family, with friends, with people that don't like us, with people that do like us? How do we build families? How do we build communities? That's what we're all here trying to understand. Sorry for moving the mic around so much there. But trusting God just means understanding that he's already done those things. Trusting him to have done the work for our salvation. Trusting him that he actually wants us to sit at his table and then just following his ways because we're trusting that he actually wants what's best for us. It's, um, it's akin to what a very good you know, parent-child relationship would look like because it's supposed to model that. But if you had very good parents, they wanted what's best for you. And you knew that, and so you trusted them. And not everyone does that perfectly. No parent does that perfectly. But that's uh, very similar to what Christ wants for us. But one thing I like to point out is that that's so hard to grasp for us, and I think one reason why we struggle with this is because it, it works differently than anything else in your life. You know, maybe you had good parents and you have sort of that as a model because you, know, you really didn't have to earn the love of your parents. That's just something you were sort of given. Uh, or maybe you did and, and you didn't have a great model, but apart from that, there's nothing else like that that you're just given without earning it. Everything else in your life, you have to work hard, and then you get. You're never just given a reward just because, especially one that huge. I mean, it's even 
and the, the mantra of our culture, every little thing, you know, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. You never just get something without doing it first. And then Christ comes along and says, well, actually, here's something. Here's an offer. Here's a handout. Here's a seat at my table to be a part of my family, the greatest gift you could ever have. Oh, and what I do for that, you didn't do anything for it, did nothing for it. And understanding that that freedom is something you have because of what Christ has done for you, not because of how much you're trusting him. You trust him in light of the freedom that he's given you, not you've been given, not that uh, you don't get the freedom because you trust him. You trust him because you've been given the freedom. But that is very difficult for us to understand. And it's a... It's an answer to a question that you guys will get um, surely over and over again because people will struggle with understanding what the law is. They'll, they'll struggle with the sin that they're still dealing with when they choose to follow Christ. And what does that mean to, to walk in repentance? So, well, I'm stumbling. Am I, am I even still a Christian? And walking people down these things and helping us all walk down that road together is what this is all about. Let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, Lord, for your gifts. Thank you for family. And thank you for the gift that is your mercy that you give to all of us so that we can work together, love one another, and love you as you have loved us. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.